and the Israelites know that um, there's really no hope. They're in this, and it's painful, and it is a time of grief and sorrow. It was very hard for them, and when we think of this parsley, we have to think of springtime. And you think of springtime, you think of everything as turning green. And uh, it's been doing that really well. Especially if you have hay fever, you recognize that uh, things are changing rapidly. (laughs) And so we have this kind of a vegetable here called a carpus. And springtime represents life, and this is representing life. Because it is green, it has life, it is something that is a great picture of this. And we know that life is not only created by God, but it's sustained by God. And so as we look at just this piece of vegetable that's really nothing, it doesn't really have much of a taste. Um, so we have to add a little bit to this. And then your you have probably a little smaller bowls there. i got a great big piece, so I'm going to go just like this. <laughs> it's salt water is what it is. So we have life here, and we have salt water here. And if you remember, in Egypt, it is a sad time for them. They are in a life of pain. And being not only as slaves, but uh, the work has been... Uh, is doubling up on them and they're in suffering and they're in tears for the situation that they've been put in and it seems like there's no hope out of this. And so the salt water is going to represent the tears and the sorrow. And this is life. And we see that we take this parsley and go ahead and take a hold of it, put it into your bowls, dip it into that salt water real good, and remember that life sometimes is immersed in tears. You have life, but how often do we go through some pain, suffering, sorrow, grief? And now what we're going to do is we're going to say a blessing. And uh, again, just do what we did a while ago. Blessed are You, O Lord our God, Ruler of the Universe, who creates the fruit of the earth, Now, I'm not kidding you. Let's take this carpus and let's eat it. Digest it. (laughs) Pretty salty. (laughs) Just remember the sorrowful time that they were in. Are you starting to feel a little bit of their pain? You haven't... You haven't tasted anything yet. (laughs) Neither have I. Carolyn put all this together, so I don't know how much of uh, the real taste that we'll get. We want to be authentic, don't we? Okay. I'm still chewing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Now, we have uh, an outline of this whole Passover Seder. And it revolves actually around four questions. 
this kind of helps us out. You know, when the, when the pastor, Pastor Shane gets up and he tells you, well, here's what we're going to do tonight, here's what we're going to hit on, you know, and he'll give you three points, right? No, no, no. Sometimes ten. Shane will go that far. He'll, he'll, you know, he, he's an expositor, so uh, it could be quite lengthy. But you get an idea of how that thing is set up. And so, by the questions that we have, and I just had a piece of carpet come right out of my mouth. No telling what. And you know, I can do that and get away with it here. Because you guys will have the same thing happen. <laughs> it says in Exodus 12, 26. Okay, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. Isn't it great when kids have questions to ask about scriptural things? Isn't it great? If you've raised your kids, you remember whenever you were able to answer some questions, especially when they're real young. You know, they had some great questions to go, oh, I don't know. I have to ask the pastor about that. <laughs> but um, these questions would be what their kids would be asking. Why do, we, why do we do this Passover? What is it all about? Oh, let me tell you. Don't you like those questions? Oh, okay, I'll sit down. And, and, and two hours later, they, they get the answer. <laughs> um, we have the four questions out there, and guess what? We are going to start with number one, which I think Bruce has. On all, on all other nights we eat bread. On this night, why do we eat only matzah? Okay, question number two. On all other nights we eat all kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we only eat bitter herbs? Question number three. On all other nights we do not give all vegetables even once. On this night, why do we give them twice? Number four. On all other nights we eat our meals sitting or reclining. On this night, why do we eat only reclining? Now the thing is, we're not reclining here tonight. <laughs> we're sitting, aren't we? But they would do that. They would recline. Different ideas on that thought. But uh, so the questions, you know, okay, other nights we eat bread that's you know has uh, leaven in it. I mean, it's raised up. You know, you know, bread and nice big loaves. But why are we eating matzah tonight? Just matzah and not the bread. Um, the vegetables. Why are we eating? This kind of vegetable, this thing, nobody eats this, and we don't have other vegetables. What's this? That's what he asked. Uh, another one was, um, she asked, um, about dipping the vegetables. Dipping. What, why do we do We're going to be doing that. We've already done it, right? And we only, uh, we dip them um, twice, right? Why do we dip them twice? And then there's a question about uh, sitting or reclining. So what we're going to do now is answer those questions. Good questions. Thank you, guys. All right. In Exodus twelve twenty four, it says this: "And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and thy sons forever." Okay, you will continue this on. They've done it. I don't know of any other festival that's gone on for thirty five hundred years that they've kept going on and on and on, and they still do it today. I think it's a great attestation to God's word. And to who God is. And, and He told them to do that. You shall observe this thing. And you do it with your children. And they pass it on down. You keep doing it. And they've done it that way. So it's a duty. But it's a privilege. And it's something that uh, God has given. And so they would be able to uh, learn His lessons. 
Now you have this pizza, uh, this piece of matzah. <laughs> pizza matzah. <laughs> Real food, that's it. Aha, right here, right here. Uh, the question all other nights, uh, you know, we eat uh, the real bread. Hey, what's this? And now we're eating eleven. You know, in uh, probably the way that you guys have it, you have a plate that comes around and you have these little bitty crackers, right? And it's almost like, wow, I could use a little bit more. <laughs> well, you get a big chunk. I mean, we just go all out here and, and you get a whole great big piece. I mean, as big as a cracker, right? And uh, unleavened bread, cracker, kind of close. Um, they look a lot alike, don't they? Uh, basically the same. Um, anyway, on Passover, we eat the matzah because uh, this is a feast that's revolving around um, unleavened bread. Because that particular festival is in with the Passover. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it lasts actually uh, a whole week. And Passover is in that. And so um, the children of Israel were in Egypt. They were held captive. And we know that they were to flee from Egypt. They didn't have time to bake the bread. And they didn't have those um, bread makers that we have today, you know, that take it away the time. They they have to make this and they have to make it quick because they may be taken out at any time. So the Lord tells them it has to be unleavened bread. And there are other reasons for that. But uh, we know that leaven definitely symbolizes sin most often. And uh, it's not here. And as we eat and partake of that, we can see that we take of something that is sinless, representing sinless. Out of sec, or 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And this kind of, boy, you know, that was pretty salty, Carolyn. <laughs> I'm still tasting the sorrow and the grief and the pain. <laughs> Good job. I thought put extra in there. Yeah. Don't you know, Paul asked this, that a little yeast works through the whole dough. Don't you know that? Well, everybody knows that. And so that's why Paul gives that question. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Jesus is the Passover. He is the Passover. Christ, our Passover. You'll see in your English, English translations, and of course, Christ there is uh, would be Messiah, Mashiach. So during this time of Passover, what we want to do is concentrate on the fact that any habit of sins that I have in my life, or something that is not right, as I look forward to Resurrection Day, the great celebration we as Christians have. It's a tremendous time, isn't it? And here we are in April already, and this is a late Resurrection Day this time. Easter is near the end of the month. This will prepare you as you think about that. You'll start cleaning out the the leaven. you say, Lord, as I concentrate and as I meditate upon You, I want You to continue to take the sin out of my life. I don't want that old life to represent who I am now. I have a new life. And it is to be holy, to be set apart. Um, Now, we get to this um, unleavened bread. And what I have here is my 
three pieces of unleavened bread. And it's, uh, there's a bread they call the bread of affliction. And in this bread of affliction, it's also known as the poor uh, bread. And to the Hebrew, is the poor bread which um, the fathers ate in the land of Egypt. And when we partake of this, it's saying, come and eat. Come to the table, right? And when we recognize what this is representing, it's, uh, it shows hope. The hope we have in the Passover. Now the three matzah that I have, these big pieces, are wrapped together for this Passover. And there are a lot of different explanations for it. And the Jewish people had explanations. They had differing ideas. Um, No objective truth to what they had, but uh, some pretty interesting ones anyway. Some of the rabbis, they would say this is a unity because it's all together in one, isn't it? We have this as as a unity. That's what they call it. And there are three in here. Now, you guys haven't figured out what we're going with already on this one, have you? (laughs) We have the Trinity right here, the unity. The Jews saw the unity. Did they believe in the Trinity at that time? No. Um, They didn't really even know about the second person of the Trinity all up into that time, even though He's all throughout the Old Testament. Many who were trusting, they were trusting in a Messiah. But we know when Jesus came here, just about everybody really missed who He was. Even the disciples had a hard time understanding who He is about. But um, when you look at the patriarchs, for instance, this would would be how they would explain it. This is Abraham... Isaac and Jacob. Not bad. Pretty good, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that gives us a good outline of the fathers of, uh, of Israel. Um, another explanation is pretty good too. It's representing the priest, the Levites, and the Israelite people. And there you have a unity. A tri-unity. And so we as Christians recognize this, and you guys... I think he had the answer within a space of about five seconds once I said three pieces in one and we're going, oh, I don't know what that is. Um, you guys teach good theology here. You, do t- you teach the Trinity here, don't you? you, you t- <laughs> this is a picture of the Messiah. And I know, you say, well, wait a minute, I've got a picture, a uh, hook's head of Christ on my wall and I thought that's what he looked like. And we go, no, no. He actually um, was pierced through for our transgression. See the holes there? And do you see the stripes on there? By His stripes we are healed. And uh, it's flat. It's unleavened. Uh, He is without sin. The best picture that we have of Christ is this piece of unleavened bread. Isn't that interesting? So there's some significance to this. In Isaiah 53, 5, but He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. We have spiritual healing in what Christ did. We had sin, we had iniquities, and we were bound and bonded in that slavery. And it's through the person of Christ that we are healed and set free. So we 
see that uh, I never have shown you, but that's one piece. There's a second piece and a third piece. And by the end of the night, I have to eat all three of these. I, I don't think so. I can't. I can't because we have a part two, so I can't do that. Okay. You know about the, uh, the stripes and such and the piercing? Uh, kind of fascinating. Uh, you have to think of Zechariah chapter 12. And I'll pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Right out of Zechariah. A prophecy 500 years before the Messiah came. And there it is. We're talking about one who was going to be pierced through. And we we actually think of the spear. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I have this first piece. I only have two hands and not three. So I'm going to take the second piece. See this? And... That's why they said that this wasn't officially. <laughs> okay, the official matzah. I have to have. <laughs> I've broken in three. It's really only supposed to be in two. Okay. Um, this middle piece of the bread, which is the affliction, okay, uh, uh, it's broken here. The Messiah, too, he was afflicted, right? And he was broken. Now, one half of this is called the Afikoman. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. This is one of the best parts of the whole story. It's wrapped up in a white cloth, some linen, maybe they would do it in. Messiah was wrapped for burial, if you'll remember. And... It's interesting, the Afikoman, which is what this is called, um, it means he who comes later. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give this to Shane. And somewhere tonight he's going to hide that for us. And we're not going to see it until it's Afikoman time. It's been put away. And if you're uh, if you're following along, you might uh, you might be getting the idea. Oh, you know what? I think I know what's happening here. Um, the Messiah was placed in a tomb. He was hidden, He's placed away, hidden for a time. And we know that the Afikoman is going to return. Uh, the Afikoman is doing is going to complete our Passover, and uh, that's for a later time. So uh, we can think of this sinless Messiah, just like this piece of bread, um, was put away and rose from the dead. And you think that that he was gone? People did. Yes, they did. Matter of fact, they would put that away, and then after the meal, during that that meal time and everything, then they would have the kids find that piece, and then they'd get a reward out of it. Maybe some money or. But yeah, that's a, that's a good question because that that's a highlight. 
And so all the kids are involved, and, and it's good to have some kids here tonight. Thank you for doing the, the questions. You guys are saying, we're not kids, we're grown up. <laughs> we're in the sixth and seventh grade, right? <laughs> Glad you guys could be here. Because that's what it is. It's a whole time for the family and uh, as they gather together. And uh, oh, what fun they, they, they could have with that. But see, as Christians, we know what that's about. We know what the Trinity is about. You see what God was doing when He had all this put together? And then that Afikoman, we know what that's about. And then when you see that come into play where it's supposed to be, it's just incredible. It just opens up uh, enlightenment that uh, it never even thought of before. Um, but anyway, what we want to do is take this matzah. I'm going to take, um, just for fun, they broke bread. So you got it. you have a piece there, but if you don't mind, I'll have you break off a little bit there. Break off here. I'm not going to go all the way around. This is not a community thing here, you know. Okay. All right. Oh, she took a little bitty piece. Look at that. That's that's what they do at, at Lord's Supper. <laughs> that little piece. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, say a blessing again. Baruch Atah Adonai Eliezer. No. Okay. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. You're still holding on to that? Okay, good. Keep holding on to it because you're going to need it. Or you can put it down for a moment. But this is the bread of affliction, okay? Um, if you want to take a bite of it, go ahead. It's all right. Um, we get to the, the third question. You'll notice it doesn't have a lot of flavor. And if it does, it's an additive. We get to what is, I think, one of the neatest parts also of this whole deal. Every, every step is. You get the maror. Can you say that? Maror. Matter of fact, say it maror. Maror. Uh, do you remember an, a lady that said, call me Mara? Yeah, Naomi. Ah, bingo. Naomi. She was bitter. We come to the part that's called the bitter herbs. Or better known as Jewish Dristan. <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm talking about yet, but on your plate actually it is a little cup. And it has an interesting look. And we're not talking... Uh, let's see. We're talking this stuff here. Right here, this white stuff. Yeah, it looks like mayonnaise. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We'll keep it there for a while until I be real truthful to you. Okay. <laughs> On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables. But tonight, we are eating only this kind of vegetable here. Uh, bitter herbs. We have sweet lives today. As we are believers in Christ, it's sweet. But we remember that we also have bitter times in our lives too, don't we? To be real honest with you, not everything goes nice and sweet and perfect. And so here we are, and we're looking at the children of Israel. It was more bitter than sweet. And so we look at this stuff here, and we take it right out of Exodus 1, and you can, and you can really see that, that uh, we've already noticed the salt water and kind of the, the saltiness of that, reminding of, the, of our tears. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites 
and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. They made it almost impossible to live. What we're going to do now is take that marrer. We're going to scoop some of that onto a piece of matzah and take a great big old piece of your unleavened bread. (laughs) And we're going to take this bitter, bitter taste that that is here and you're going to really feel (laughs) experience the Israelites' slavery that they had. And it will cause you probably to shed tears. I can already feel it coming up from this cup. But they're tears and compassion for the sorrow of the ancestors that we can go way back uh, thousands of years ago. Life without redemption is this. This is life without redemption. So what we're going to do is say another blessing. And uh, then we will dip our unleavened bread into this and take it on in. Just take it on in and we will see what happens. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who has set us apart by His Word and commanded us and commanded us and commanded us to eat bitter herbs. Everybody eat. Do you feel it? That's real. (laughs) We'll move to the next part because you'll need it. On all other nights, we do not dip our vegetables even once, but tonight we dip them twice. We've already dipped the parsley into the salt water. We've done that. We're going to do another dipping. Uh, We're going to take... Another piece of this matzah. We're going to take this concoction here. It's called haraset. <laughs> yeah, that was a Jewish dristan that caused that. I actually, I think if there was really a Hebrew person here, I'm sure they would make fun of me. Did you take Hebrew? I bet you took a class of that, didn't you? Thirty-five years ago. <laughs> okay. Did I do that good enough? <laughs> okay. The children of Israel. Toiled. They built Egyptian cities, pyramids. They built these. These are the Israelites are doing this, and the Pharaoh is making them work hard. They're making, you know, the the clay, uh, the brick, however they made it out there. And we have this task in a mixture called haraset, and it's made from chopped apples. Grapes. Um, what else is in here? Honey. Honey. Oh, yeah. It's getting better. And sometimes there's, they usually have the nuts. Yeah, 
And they're nuts. Right. No nuts because some people are allergic to nuts. Okay. All right. Cranberries. Okay. Sweet cranberries. All right. Because we need it. Um, that stuff is still lingering on. What we're going to do, we're going to be scooping some of this, uh, uh, the bitter herbs. We, we have to do this again. But I want to tell you, it's not so bad. Matter of fact, it's really good this time. Go ahead and put your bitter herbs on your unleavened bread again. And before we eat, though, we're going to dip the herbs into this sweet haraset. And we dip this bitter herbs, go ahead and go in there and get a really good scoop. I want to tell you, I have tried it already and it is good. Really good. Remember those bitter circumstances? Can you still remember that lingering of that bitter herbs that we just took? I mean, it's still kind of there, isn't it? This will get rid of We are going to be sweetened by the hope that we have in God. Let's eat. And I hope you put a lot of sweet stuff on there. And if you want to take some more sweet stuff on a piece of your unleavened bread, you can go right ahead and do that. Just pile it on. And it starts taking away that bitter taste that you had. As you eat a lot of bites. I bet you've never had anything like this before. (laughs) While they were reclining at the table eating, did you know that Jesus did this? He did. Yeshua said, I tell you the truth, one of you who will betray me, one who is eating with me, they were saddened. And one by one they said to Him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips unleavened bread into the bowl with me. What you just did was where they were at in the Passover at this time. So remember the dipping that they had? What's the dipping? That was it. This would be where they were at on that. Fascinating. You say, Jesus actually ate horseradish? (laughs) Yeah, he did. He made it. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. He said, whoa, I made that pretty good, didn't I? <laughs> Tonight we recline. That was a, another question that we need to answer. On all other nights we eat either sitting or reclining, but tonight we eat reclining. First Passover that they did, Exodus 12, uh, was by a people that were enslaved. Once we were slaves. Say that. Once we were but now we are free. The children of Israel were instructed to eat the Passover in haste. You remember that? Their loins girded, staffs in their hands, ready to leave at any moment. The sandals are on their feet, and they're not kicking back. They're ready to go at any moment. And uh, who knows when that departure is. It could be now. So they were going to flee their bondage that was in Egypt. They were going to get out of there. Um, Today, we sit here real comfortable. Sit in chairs, relaxing. Enjoying this great time. Freely enjoying this whole Passover Seder. And Jesus said this. You guys know this. Come 
unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. They had to go in haste, but once it was done, then they entered into the rest. And of course, uh, all believers who trust in Christ have entered into that rest. Now we come to the story of the Passover, the Magid. And in Exodus 6.5, he says, I have remembered my covenant. God will never go back on His promises. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever. And what He says, what He has said, He will do, won't He? And that's the kind of God we have. So here's the story of the Passover, and we have four readers out there. And so when reader one is done, then we'll move right on to reader two through four, and we'll get this story. We all have heard it many times, but you can't hear it enough. Reader number one. The Lord has promised the land of Israel to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that here were their children in Egypt. The Pharaoh who had come to power feared them. These foreigners in our midst are prospering and have grown numerous, he thought. Suppose they join with our enemies and turn against us. Pharaoh decided to exert greater control over this people, imposing harsh and bitter slavery upon the Israelites. Still, God blessed his people in strength and numbers. Pharaoh grew more frightened and ordered every baby boy among the Israelites to be drowned in the Nile River. One Israelite couple hid their little boy for three months. Finally, entrusting his future to the Lord, they set him in a basket and placed him upon the river. His sister, Miriam, watched as he floated downstream. Coming upon the basket, Pharaoh's daughter took pity on the child and chose to raise him as her own son. She called him Moses, meaning drawn from the water. Moses grew and became aware of the travail of his people. One day, in a rage, he lost control of himself and killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. Fleeing the palace in the eye of Pharaoh, Moses became a shepherd in the land of Midian, far from the cities of his suffering brothers. The Lord, however, saw the affliction of the children of Israel and heard the groan. He would raise up the deliverer to lead them out of bondage. It was then that he appeared to Moses in the midst of a burning bush and burned with fire. It was not consumed. Moses grew close and listened as God commissioned him to go favor. Fearful and reluctant, still Moses agreed to break God's message to the king of Egypt. Let my people go. Let my people go. God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God had told Moses He is the I Am when Moses asked Him, Who are you? I Am. The self-existent one. This is God. This is Yahweh. This is the one true God. Moses is learning who God is. And he had been in the backside of the desert for 40 years. Now he comes back. And uh, he left that wilderness to return back to the palace with Pharaoh. And uh, that's the very place where he had been raised up. That was his boyhood there. And he returns now with a message which the Lord had given him specifically to say. God warned him, though, also that uh, he would encounter all sorts of resistance. God already told him, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I want you to say. And when you go there, here's what's going to happen. How many times do you hear that throughout the prophets? where you have like a Jeremiah who is sent, or Isaiah. Hey, I want to tell you, here's a message. 
And by the way, they're not going to listen to you. Well, that's what happened here. We know what happened over and over again in Exodus 3, 19 and 20. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Not very voluntarily, though. God is going to make sure all this happens. God could have just taken them on out of there and not had any trouble at all, right? God could have done that. But no, He decided to do the ten plagues. You don't think, well, after the first one, wouldn't that have been enough? Or the second or the third one? No, 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 no. The, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. God hardening? Pharaoh hardened his heart. You get both of those there. Quite a friction. Uh, but the thing is, you'll see that notice that God first tells Moses that he's going to harden the Pharaoh's heart. The thing is, it's already hardened, isn't it? But he's going to harden a little bit more so that this story goes on out. And um, God can do that. He sent plagues one by one. And with each plague, Pharaoh just seems to get harder, doesn't he? And we notice that you get all sorts of discomfort out of this and disease and they're afflicted with bane and blight and Pharaoh would not change his mind. And when you get to the tenth plague, this is the most awful plague, for we know it involves death. The death of the firstborn. And it's going to be of of the Egyptians. Piercing through the very hard heart of Pharaoh, God uses that uh, last illustration there. That that way, he refused God's will. He did not want God's will, and that's the way our hearts are. Before He opens our hearts up, we are enemies. It says in Romans five, we are sinners. Um, we hate God until He shows us who He is, comes in and regenerates us, opens us up. What a great God! And He softens our heart, doesn't He? Uh, Lydia one day was sitting out on the bank of the river in the book of Acts. Paul's there and he comes along and reads the Scripture, gives Scripture to her, and the Lord opened her heart. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's the most beautiful thing that can happen to each one of us who are Christians. That's what happened. He said, thank the Lord. Look who I was. I was Pharaoh. That's really who I was. I was Pharaoh. On that same night in Exodus 12, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. What kind of God is that? Well, He's a God who's been very, 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 very patient. He has extended Himself all these many hundreds of years even. And... He has to finally bring judgment or He's not a just God. And so this story does involve some terrible things. What we want to do is take a second cup. We're not going to be able to drink this cup, but we're going to make believe this thing is full up to the brim. It's a symbol of joy. And we're about at the end of this uh, for the the, uh, part one. But what what we have to do is remember this great cost the great cost that it was for redemption to be purchased in this story of Israelites. Of course, then you also have to relate that. What was the great cost for us to become God's children? We know the blood had to be shed. Lives were sacrificed. 
a great judgment had to be put on. I mean, when you're talking the firstborn out of all the Egyptians, and that could be a little infant, a baby, a 10-year-old, a 40-year-old, the firstborn, all of those firstborn died, even in the palace. Can you imagine that? That's a tremendous cost. And you can say, God did that. What kind of God is this? He's a great God with a great plan. But it shows the hearts of mankind and He has to have the blood shed. So, as we recite the plague, or ten of them, what we're going to do is we're going to go through each plague and we're going to say each plague three times. And what, we, what we're going to do here now is we're going to take our take a little finger into your cup, if you can get it there, it might have to tilt it over, and... Um, Take that cup, and you you have plates there. You're going to have to use your plates here, otherwise we'll have it all over the table. It's going to bite anyway. You don't want to get it over your outfits. And grape juice will uh, really stain, so be really careful. Just little, little bitty drips. You take your little finger into that cup, allow a little bit of that liquid to be there, and what you're going to do is you're going to take this cup of joy, and we're going to lose a little bit of joy as we concentrate on the fact that there had to be uh, plagues that God brought on. Uh, like I say, we're not going to drink out of this cup. This is the second one. We'll have to drink the second cup next time we come uh, back. The first one is blood. Blood! 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 And you can take that out and put your finger back in. And the next one's going to be frogs. Are you ready? Frogs! 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 And we get rid of a little more of that joy. Then it's lice. Life, life, life. And we get rid of that. And then the fourth one is beasts. Beasts, beasts, beasts. Oh, this is fun. This is going to be cattle disease. Cattle disease, cattle disease, cattle disease. That's five plagues. Isn't that enough, Pharaoh? Haven't you had enough? No. Boils. Boils, boils, boils. Next one's hail. Hail, hail, hail. And do you know that God is protecting His people while all this is going on? But this is happening to Egypt. Even though that's still part of their land, but yet there's a protection that He has. Locusts? Locusts, locusts, locusts. Remember darkness? Darkness, darkness, darkness. And number ten is death of the firstborn. Death of the firstborn. Death of the firstborn. Death of the firstborn. And that is called the cup of plagues. We've had the cup of sanctification. We've had the cup of plagues. And what we will do is stop right there, take our napkins, (laughs) clean our fingers, and we will not drink any more juice for the night, and we'll have to come back next week because the rest of the story will complete this and we'll have the Passover in its fullness through the person of Christ. And we'll explain a few more items and elements and we still have to deal with that apicomen. I think that's it for the night.
uh, we've gone over our time. You guys are very kind. You didn't throw any juice at me or anything. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, do you have any